Our scripture is going to come out of the book of Revelation, verses 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, 4 through 6. We're actually still in the Easter season, following the lectionary here. So this is actually a lectionary verse. Before I started, this was important about this verse. Let me bring up a class. I wrote the brief, rewrote the front part of the sermon this morning because of class. About 50 people in moral ethics class in uh, Emory. All from all over the United States. Some lady was from Chicago. The reason the lady from Chicago was in her class because the Chicago Methodist Seminary is more liberal than Emory. That's a scary thought. But that's beside the point. Uh, so we're going along. We're going along, and you all of a sudden see something. We're talking moral ethics. I never really, I'm to have to admit, I really didn't put much thought into this before. Uh, we're not talking about personal ethics, uh, corporate ethics, or what, what's right and what's wrong inside the business to do. Uh, we're talking moral ethics, and the two subjects that we brought up, which I just could not believe we brought up, was the homosexual issue and uh, abortion. Those were the two hot topics that we discussed in moral ethics. We did a lot of other exercises, too. And what I come to realize, in the Methodist Church, one of the models we used is John Wesley come up with, it's actually the holiness movement, they come up with this thing called the quadrilateral. And the quadrilateral, and when we do it at Walk to a Mass, and some other people have heard about it, we use a stool, a three-legged stool with a good lid on top of it. I didn't have one of them, so I didn't bring one. It's reason, tradition, and experience is the three legs. The top of it is scripture. Scripture trumps reason, experience, or tradition. Reason, experience, and tradition has to align with scripture or it's invalid. And I brought up the point because the model that Emory showed at this professor, he admitted to me later he didn't agree with, but this is what he was given to teach, showed it as a diamond. And all four were equal. They're not. The only thing that trumps everything in your life, everything in your life, and if you're not doing it right, you're doing it wrong, is Scripture is the basics for all truth in our life. You may not like it. You may not like what it says. You may not like what God is telling you to do. But it doesn't matter. It is the basis for the basis of our life to live a holy life with God. There's many things in there I wish God would have ever said. But God did. Thou shalt not. So what do you got to do? He shall not. And so two subjects to bring up real quick. Uh, it's, and I want to bring this up because this is important for our scripture coming up. Is there's, and most of the people, believe it or not, other than a couple other people, I was with the young ones in class. I felt so happy. <laughs> I think there was a couple of people young, but most of the people my age are old. Most of them were retired from a secular job. They're there. And this guy sitting there talking about the, the homosexual issue. He says, man, I used to be an Orthodox person. I, you know, and he, he talks about all the things that he did. Well, about a year ago, his daughter come out that she was a lesbian. And he says, my daughter helped me in church and everything else. And he says, you know what? I, I changed my position because my experience with her and how much she loves God 
And if she's going to be this way, she has to be loved by God still. She still wants to work in the church. Here's Larry's hand up. How does experience trump? Well, it's just the way I feel. Do not let your life be run by emotions. Let it be run by that. Abortion, the same, the same situation. Uh, a young girl got pregnant by a, uh, an uncle. And I know Tammy's talked about the crisis pregnancy. We talked about crisis pregnancy. And the young girl uh, was suicidal, trying to commit suicide. And she says it would have been better if she just got an abortion. Well, would it? But we just talked. We talked about in, in uh, actually the, the Methodist uh, moral issue book. We actually have a book on moral issues I didn't know about. It actually says that the sanctity of all life, and God determines the beginning and the end of all life. God, and we admit in the Methodist church that God is the control of all life. But somehow we've taken this book and thrown it out, and we've let experience and emotion and tradition overrule Scripture. Why is that important? Because our Scripture for today is out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from, uh, from Jesus who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings and the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from the sins of our own blood, wash us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings, priests, uh, to his God the Father, to him be glory and do, uh, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and everyone will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. And so, even so, amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. I got outstanding news for some, and I got bad news for others. Don't you love that good news, bad news type preacher? For those who have aligned their life with God, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to us because he has washed our sins with his blood. And we are white as snow before God. And us who, that believe that this is the inerrant word of God, and not that we're always living by it, but we're doing our best. Uh, there's mercy and grace for our sins. And, and I believe in that. For us who truly believe that, I got great news. Jesus is coming back. He has not forgot about you. He has not left you orphaned. He is coming back. Until then, we got the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. You got a little flip-up sign. Amen. For those who do not align themselves with the Word of God, for those who do not believe in Jesus, I got bad news for you. Jesus Christ is coming back. And He's coming to judge the quick and the dead. He's coming to judge those who do not believe. Because He says right here that, Behold, He is coming in the clouds and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. He's not only talking about the ones that put them on the cross, but he's talking about those who continue to sin and not repent of their sins. And all tribes on earth will mourn because of this. What tribes? The tribes that make the people that do not believe in Jesus or have believed a false witness. 
How important is this to know? Why is this important to me? I come to realize I am more of an end times evangelical preacher than I am anything else. You all probably knew that about me, but we're going along. Scripture has to always be in the forefront of our lives. Scripture must always be in the forefront of our lives. And we need to be aligning ourselves with Scripture. The Bible says that there's a day coming when false prophets come. False prophets will come. And I've seen that today. I mean, I've seen that this weekend. We're going along, this lady, we watch this video of this lady. She was at, she did some, She was a visitor candler, which is Emory, a while back, and she preached on Pentecost about Acts 2. And so she does this thing about Acts 2 and tongues and all this other thing. And, and uh, the sermon was really good. Of course, she was a professor, a doctor, and all this other stuff. And the sermon was really good. I really agreed with her message. But being smart Alec Larry, when it was over with, and we started discussing, I raised my hand and said, well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Chen, that's our professor's name, can we analyze the sermon? Because she used that sermon out of context. And in exegesis study, she used that sermon out of context. She forced a subject into a, into a text that don't go together. Great sermon, great message, great idea, what she's preaching. But the sermon, the scripture, did not match her text to what she preached. She forced a subject into it. And all preachers have been known to do that from time to time when you're preaching about your own agenda. And, and so, and he's just looking at me like, he said, what do you mean? She did not know why they were in Jerusalem. Uh, and all this other thing. And nobody in the class really knew. Nobody in the class really knew about the, the, the historical events of Acts 2. When they come back to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And my thought was, the Bible tells us there's going to be false prophets. False teachers. We, we find that false teachers. Some are coming by accident. They think they've been called by God. They may be called by God, but have they put in the effort to study the Word of God? I have gone back and looked at old sermons and old things and realized where I've made mistakes. Change up and fix those. Some, as we see, are on an agenda. They're on an agenda to push. Oh, we had a girl in our class. She was actually one of the people younger than me. Her agenda is, she says, I'm here to be a, I'm here to be a pe- preacher, to be the voice for the homosexuals, to be the voice for these people, and to make them equal in the church. Well, you're just Satan sitting next to me. I got up, I did, but after break, I got up and sat somewhere else. Uh, and some are led by Satan to be false teachers in the church. They got great personalities, great charisma. And, and so we, we look at this here, we look at this. How do you overcome this? And this is my, my warning for the church, especially since we're in a transitional time. How do you overcome a false teacher? And you guys, most of you all have done a really good job with this at this particular church. Most churches aren't like you guys. Butch and I and Jeff talked Monday. That was one of the things I brought up about Glory Church. The only way to overcome a false teacher, whether it's by accident or by an agenda or some other way, is you, the congregation, needs to know this. That piece of paper is probably important. Uh, I think it's marking another page. You need to know this. You, there's, no, there's no subject, there's nothing. that You cannot fight the battle against Satan if you don't know the Word of God. 
It's no different. How Congress, how we ever did this, uh, bring up one thing political, we got troops on the Mexican border, three or four army guys, one pistol. And you don't you know that when the Congress is set up, probably one on the pistol, one on the clip, and the other had the bullets. Well, we've got to make a decision. We're going to load it, how many bullets we're going to put in. And, you know, you can just see how the government, you just got to be with the government to understand that. The only way to fully arm yourself in this world, listen to the radio station. I don't agree. I like Caleb, but I don't agree with everything they talk about and do on the, on the radio station. Is everything has to be tested. Paul tells us to test everything against the Word of God. Everything. Everything has to be tested against the Word of God. And, and many times, let me tell you, you just have to preach. You need to do 52 sermons in a year, close to 52 sermons in a year. To really get the concept of this, when you do one or two sermons here and there, it's easy, people. I'm just going to tell you, but when you're doing 52 and you're really studying, you're really going along, you don't realize how many sermons I'll be like, man, I just got to go to the altar because I'm not doing that. Or I'm struggling with that sin too. I, and things God reveals things. You know, and it just seems funny. I've read passages time and time again. All of a sudden I read a passage and God lights up. But remember that first you talked over here? Remember what you did over here? I said no in my word. Oh, man, God. Why do you got to do that to me for? And so my, my deal is Jesus is coming back. Let me change up just a little bit. Jesus is coming back. Uh, and he says he's coming back in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. I take the thunderstorm analogy. I used to be a storm chaser. I used to chase tornadoes. I mean, that was a great job. I mean, it wasn't a job. It was a volunteer thing, but I loved it. Now in Missouri, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma... I've been in all those places. Missouri, Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, a little bit different than the south here. You think you can see, you know, we've got flat farm fields and you can see the way off. Go to Kansas. Go to Texas. Go to Oklahoma. The farm field is so long that you cannot see the end of the farm. I mean, just humongous acres after acres. I mean, thousands plus. Of, the land is just flat with very little trees or anything else. on just natural land, flat. You can see a thunderstorm coming for miles away. And farmers are the best because they can kind of tell whether the wind's whether it's going to come to them or scoot around them or something else. And so here's my analogy. Jesus coming back. This is Larry's analogy. Uh, we see the clouds. We see the clouds. If the thunderstorm gets a little closer, we can start hearing the rumble of thunder way off. And, and then, then the air starts to cool because of the rain. And then the smell of the rain. I can only smell the rain. I know Gliz gave me a hard time about that one day. But man, that was the thing up there. You could smell, usually smell the rain before then. And you're looking at the storm. And it seems no matter how much you watch this storm, it catches you by surprise. Boom, there it is. You're in the middle of an electric storm. You're in the middle of a tornado. You're in the middle of severe weather. And if you are not ready, there's a good chance you're going to die. And that's the way Jesus is coming back. Our scriptures for this is, real quick, Matthew uh, 24. And that's one of those passages that a piece of paper was probably holding. And I, just for time, I'm not going to read it all. But Matthew 24 tells us, take heed that no one knows, that, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive you. What's the pastor's position all of a sudden? Not that I come as Christ, but I come in the name of Christ because as the pastor, he is the keeper of the souls. He prays for the people of the church. He's the one responsible, he or she's the one responsible for teaching the people about God and God's word. 
If your pastor's out of link, go along there. And if you find me out of link, I would appreciate you tell me because I would rather know than go to hell. Okay? I'd rather just be wrong than go to know that I'm wrong and go to hell. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Well, we've seen that this weekend when I told this guy that, hey, buddy, I mean, I, I, as politically correct as I could, we're in an open discussion. Just because your dog, I mean, I love my daughters unconditionally. Does not everybody love their kids? And if they did something like this, would that stop my love for them? They know how Tammy and I feel about the subject. Would it stop my love for them? Would they not be allowed in my house? Would they not be allowed? No, they would still be loved. They'd still be willing to come in. Somehow we got to get to, to saying down this, I, I love you, but I disagree with your lifestyle, but I still love you. Somehow we think, if I don't agree with you, if I don't agree with the agenda of the left, that's, that's really what it is, and that's a whole other subject we've seen this weekend. If I don't agree with you set of people over here, that must be hate you, I must be a bigot, I must be a racist. That's not true. That's not true. I can love you even though I don't agree with your lifestyle. Uh, but he who endures will be saved. Uh, let me jump over to Luke real quick. I like Luke's a little better. Uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the carousing drunkenness and cares of this life. And the day, uh, the day will come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Great news, people. Jesus is coming. I think we're at part of the storm. The storm has passed by as many times it keeps getting closer and closer. Just like Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, when you're out there, sometimes that storm will come and you think, boy, it's just about to unleash on us and it passes right on by you. And you may just get to see witnesses. I think that's where we are with the end times. God has allowed us through the president and other things going on in our government. He has allowed the church one more chance to stand up to save the lost. But good news, Jesus is coming. I mean, you think somebody would say amen on that. I said it three times. Jesus is coming. There we go. It was half-hearted, but that's all right. To stand before the Son of Man. What do you have to do? Got to give you instructions here. Number one, how is your relationship with Jesus? The day is coming. It will come as a thief in the night. The signs of the season are there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other scriptures to go with it. The signs of the seasons are there, people. The thunderstorm is roaring. We can hear the, we can hear the, the thunder. We can see the lightning. We can smell the rain. And that Jesus is coming soon. I believe in our lifetime, Jesus will return. You got to, number one, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. And that's not just say, I call upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved, I can go do whatever I want to do. That is not having a relationship with him. You've got to have a relationship. You need to know his words. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to, and knowing your word, his Bible means you've got not just knowing. I know a lot of smart people that know the Bible better than me. That's not hard to do, people, to know the Bible better than me. But are you doing something with the word of God that he gave you? Are you involved in outreach? Are you involved in uh, Bible studies and the things, doing the things that he says, helping the poor, helping the lame, trying to avoid sin, showing forgiveness, love, and mercy and kindness to everybody you meet? Because Jesus is coming soon. Man, you would have thought they would have learned to say amen somewhere in that process. 
That's the, that's the good news. Jesus is not leaving his orphan. Jesus is coming. That is, that is we got to get excited about it. We need to get excited about his work. Get excited about what's going on. We need to get excited that there's people in government now that's fighting abortion. That's fighting all these other things. That's fighting against the, 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 all these LGBT stuff will be standardized and go against the word of God. We need to be excited and help and support. The day has to end, and it has to end today, that we just sit on our tail, we talk about it, we hate it, and we just press on with our own personal lives. Because if you're doing that, are you aligned yourself with God? When the Son of Man returns, ask yourself your honest question in a quiet time today. Am I worthy to be taken? That is a rough question to ask. How are you made worthy? You are not worthy in your sin. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Is this the blood of the new covenant? I brought my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. According to Larry, you come up with your own good thing. It's more than just confessing Christ, more than just taking his blood. It means I have to live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. And I try. Lord knows I'm nowhere near perfect. I mean, I know Tammy thinks I am, but it just trust me, people. Inside <laughs> my Facebook uh, Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless the bread, bless the juice, Lord, to be the body and the blood of Christ. Remind us that our sins have been forgiven, not for personal gain, but that we may live life more abundantly for you. And Lord, let us live as if today was the day you were coming home. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Harold and Jeff would come up. Then Butch and I will do the gluten-free bread. And the choir can come up too. The body of Christ. <laughs>